Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Barnes University Radio. Um, just bringing you guys good news that we're going to be starting up um, a analyzing the analyst series. We're at about thirty-five days away from the NFL draft, so each week or so, we're going to try to bring on someone with a vast an extensive database knowledge who knows a lot of this year's um, NFL draft prospect database. So we're going to bring them on. Um, I've already kind of shared with the world on my website, blog.thebarnesuniversity.com. Kind of shared with the world some of my top 10 starting um, way back in January, January, all the way to about a week ago. Um, and I went through all positions, even fullback, even kickers. And just my, you know, top 10, some positions were top five, like more thin positions like fullback and kicker and punter, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to have someone on there with this, with extensive knowledge. And we're going to go through position groups and, um, you know, I think I want to, because if I want multiple people on, I'm probably going to break it down to their area of expertise. Um, so it's going to be more so, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a guy that's really good with the trenches or skill positions. And then we're going to go through that position rank. Or if someone has, you know, um, a good idea about kickers, and, uh, the kickers in this draft, um, have them on, um, you know, or special teams. You know, if we have a person like that, it's so rare. It's even rare for people even to mention the rankings. So I'm very, you know, happy that I was able to include those rankings with the specialists and fullbacks this year. Um, but just have different people on, get different perspectives. I will be on there and it will be them pretty much agreeing, disagreeing, critiquing, mentioning players that I may not have mentioned on the website, but I may have in my notes um because some players i find later or i'll be like oh i overlooked them so the process is always constantly evolving and you know i'm gonna be taking notes you know i'm gonna be taking notes of these people um that you know i respect in some form or fashion and you know whatever they have to say whether it's a you know me uh leaving out a player that should be on there or you know some tidbits about how they view a position or um you know, a different ranking altogether. Very open. I think it'd be a healthy discussion. Um, you know, and I think it it'd be content worth viewing and digesting. So definitely going to do that. Analyzing the analyst. Um, Thirty five days left, so that that's enough for five weeks. But we're going to try to at least do two or three people, and then you know a Zoom recording, and then share it very organically. You already know that's. That's how I'm going to do it. So looking forward to that. And then on this episode, just wanted to talk about, you know, it's going to be the Nashville scene and, you know, the, the fan base, you know, how much I, you know, pretty much love the Nashville fan base and how much I want to win or help win a championship for this fan base. Um, you know, 
you know, the NFL is an entity. The NFL is a, you know, league and organization, a big organization with several conglomerates, several owners, lots of money. It's big business. Um, and every team obviously has their fan base, their culture, um, their norms, their history. It's one big community. And uh, sometimes, you know, you love people, you don't have to like them. But but uh, you for sure love this fan base. Um, you love them in the good moments. You love to see, you know, that unity because you like one team, you know, in that two-tone blue. And, uh, you know, I always want to remind myself, and that's why that's currently pinned on my profile. It may change when someone hears this in the future. But it's um, me, you know, basically doing a, you know, uh, a mock press conference if I was the head coach or, or um, general manager of the Titans and some of my, uh, you know, five pillars of how I would execute these things. And it's all inspired by the fans literally seeing their faces as, you know, the parade downtown and I'm and I have the Super Bowl trophy in my hands. And just knowing that, you know, this was a boy's dream to to, to deliver Lombardi to his state, to his home state, and uh, to know that I assisted, to know that I was a a loyal um, contributor to a worthy cause that everybody's sharing, you know, in a championship parade. You know, these are my thoughts. This is what keeps me going. It's what, you know, I enjoy doing. It is definitely a worthwhile vocation. So I just wanted to give a shout out to the fans and keep on being you. Keep on choosing love keep on choosing positivity keep on choosing the positive side the light side of the twitter world the facebook world the world in general because it's going to make things a lot better excuse me now another thing that i want to talk about is i don't think that people know necessarily where the bravado comes from i don't think people know the story of charles barnes when it comes to where does the bravado where does the confidence where do does the skill where does the talent why is why is charles barnes worth a listen why is charles barnes worth a follow where does Charles Barnes rank amongst the people in Nashville? Where is he trying to go with this thing? Now, I'm, I'm going to start there because what it's very unorthodox. It's, it's, a, it's a new journey. Nobody's doing it. It takes balls. It takes courage to do it in the fashion that I'm doing it. But the like I've already stated before, I feel like is the normal way to to get into the scouting ranks or, you know, to be on a team to assist is you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, or you go to a college and you stay there for almost a decade, not doing what you want to do. And maybe or maybe not, you get a chance, 
chance. Now, I'm the type of person where people like that love football. They love football. They're around it. And it doesn't matter if there's an end result of a championship or anything or if there's an end result or any type of strategic or or not strategic, but like what what can I say? There's no like plan or idea of the end result. Like for me, the whole plan for me is to be on a professional team and help them win multiple championships over a decade or two and retire and ride off in the sunset. That's that's the goal. That's the goal to get on a professional team to win multiple championships and then retire and then, you know, hopefully be considered one of the greatest. That is the goal. Um, now, I'm pretty sure in, you know, in, 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 in retrospect and in, in, in consideration, that's what everybody wants to do. And everybody's clawing for that. But that's what I want to do. Um, you know, I've tried to do and I've tried to do it the, you know, the way that most people have done it. Um, and that's whether by knowing somebody or doing it the conventional way you get you you find yourself in a place and, you know, maybe you get on with the team and that team preferably for me is obviously the Titans. But, you know, at this point, I wouldn't mind just starting somewhere. Um, so for those that know, they know that I've been, you know, on a college team. I've been on MTSU. I've helped them with recruiting. I've helped them with equipment. I've helped them with, you know, scout scout team, getting tape ready, ready for opponents, preparation for the week. I've done, I've, you know, dibbled and dabbed in that ranks, right? A lot of people also know the story of how the current man, I mean, past management kind of mishandled a situation involving myself during a time where I didn't have much help um, in life. Therefore, leaving a bad taste, admittedly leaving a bad taste um, in my mouth in terms of those type of organizations where you have to work with people who are, don't come from the same place as you, might have the same skin color as you, but don't come from the same place as you, don't have the empathy to properly do their job, and it's a big waste of time and energy. So there, from that situation, it led me to several different um, job opportunities, odd-in jobs, and a spiral and in in a delayed journey to my destination. Now, am I willing to go back into it and then start all over? That's basically what I'm facing. But do I also think that I'm good enough and I can put together a great track record enough in this day and age where people do get hired off of social media for their prowess? Because it's not necessarily social media anymore. It's marketing. It's branding. It's talent showcase. And if I showcase my talent to a market and a team and you're good, that should be well enough. It's better than a resume. I, I will 
I will say that to, to the end. I feel like when you show what you can do and you keep documentation of it, that's better than any resume of someone who says that they pushed papers for eight years. But that's what some franchise want. They want an assistant. They want, you know, an information gatherer. Now, I understand the scouting position, especially starting off, is odd in jobs, picking up free agents at the airport, lots of driving, lots of, you know, go and get donuts, go and get this, doing doing that. And that's the thing, what people don't understand. I don't have a problem doing that. That's no issue to do that. What what people have to separate is the brand, the presentation from the person. Now, can that be a detriment and can't that be understood that you're not putting your best foot forward when you don't show that side or show that person or whatever? It's honestly very hard to show how good of a person you are. It's very easy for somebody to try to find fault on why you're not a good person. Now, I like to have fun. I'm very competitive in sports in general. You play basketball against me, it gets feisty. We're going to be competitive, right? You play football with me, it gets feisty. We're going to be competitive. And scouting isn't fun to me unless it's also competitive. I don't know if many people scout like that, but I scout with the intention of beating, whether it be the uh, like specifically if I'm scouting for the Titans, I'm trying to beat the rest of the league and I'm trying to gauge myself versus the people that are actually in the league making decisions. So I feel like as an executive, sometimes we get possibly the process can be a bit soft in terms of, you know, we're looking at this as a business. Yes, it's a business. But do you know how many coaches, players are hired that, you know, I eventually end up being, you know, bad eggs, rotten apples because of their vices. My worst vice is, you know, I like sweets from time to time. You know, I like bread. I eat too much carbs sometimes. You know, that's my vice. I don't have any outrageous vice like these players and some of these coaches that you're bringing in. So when we try to like reevaluate the hiring process or talent acquisition process, whether it be through drafting, signing a free agent or interviewing coaches and hiring and then they mess up. Right. Why is it that if it's a talent showcase on social media or hell LinkedIn, whatever you want to say, why is it that we have so much disdain for someone who has proof and maybe they remind you one time too much but isn't the goal not to win a championship why are you away from your family for so long why do you travel to this that and the third away trying to win a championship why are you away from your family the whole day why do you put yourself through so much ridicule ridicule throughout the whole season if you're not trying to win a championship, is it pride? Because you see this guy that is talented. Maybe he should, he reminds you a little bit too much because he's excited and he's proud of himself. But it's not. Is it is it childlike enthusiasm or is it stone cold arrogance? That's that's up to whoever's interested. And 
I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to convince you or sway you either way because I do want the interaction to be as organic as possible because it might not be the Titans that deserve, you know, the talent or the skill set. But that's basically a good foundation to what I'm trying to say. And hopefully this is a little bit shorter in four or five minutes, maybe six. Is that. How and why is the bravado there? Why is Charles any different than anybody else? And I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just telling you the story. I haven't missed a Tennessee Titans game since 2006. That's 15 years. Because you, if you're including the year 2006, the 2021 season hasn't started yet. So this is the 16th straight year. Will be the 16th straight year, Lord willing. That I have watched Tennessee Titans football without missing the game. Now, how is that different than any fan that can say the same thing? Because of the person. You know, whatever you want to call it. Luck of the draw, straight shot of sperm, whatever you want to call it. I'm a high level observer. So when I watch a game, it's going to be different than someone who's drinking 17 beers. 18, 19, 20, 21 beers and hooping and hollering about the game. You know, from the start, I watched it as a spectator. Then over time, when I started, you know, playing around with evaluation, the game started to become more or less um, like reading a book, you know, very intentively each and every snap. Um, every detail of every play that I can digest. So if there's 120 snaps, 240 snaps altogether in a game, if you count both teams, I guess I think I'm doing the math right. I will watch all of those snaps, 240, 250 snaps, very intentively with a lot of focus, with a lot of, um, you know, attention to detail. And I've done that. When you do that, And I'm just talking Titans games. When you do that for 15, 16 years, you become really good at it. And that's me. I've I've been a high-level observer with every football game that I watch. And you got to take into account that I just said Titans games. Obviously, I've watched Super Bowls. I've watched playoff games. I've watched just random games of other teams. I've watched high school games. I've watched uh, Little League games, Pop Warner. I've watched every level of football for the past 15, 16 years, every single snap the same way. When you do that, you notice things that other people don't. And that's a big bulk of the story. The other story is after a mishandled situation in the collegiate ranks, and and I would like to say disclaimer, since then, me and that college have gotten on better terms, but that certain person that was empowered mishandled the situation. But because of that, it turned me and then I had to go take jobs at different places like Amazon, like you know, being a car salesman, you know, being a desk assistant, stuff like that. Those type of things molded me, right? It molded me into a better person, you know, a better citizen 
a more well-rounded person to where when I see things in my scouting life, whether it be how to organize something or how to see something, um, my brain works at, on different cylinders because it's experienced several different ways to execute or to view things. I also graduated with sports management degree and a minor in psychology. I've always been interested in behavior. So that also adds to my talent evaluation prowess. So when people don't understand when I say this stuff about prowess or, or for our post stuff and they be like, dude, this dude is full of himself. It's honestly not so much as being full of myself, but really just blatantly either telling the truth or I was excited about something. So I think that's where the misconception comes from. And I will have to say that a lot of people are stuck in what I would like to call 50-50 mode, right? Um, 50-50 mode is whether it be earlier in your scouting career, or I really should really call it 30-70 or 20-80. I think 20-80 is probably the best way. It's not 50-50, scratch that. We're going to call it 20-80. Is when, when you're in your scouting career, when you first start, you'll probably get about 20% of your evaluation right and 80% wrong. So if you make a mock draft, you'll probably get two guys. And then the, if there's 10 picks, you'll get two guys right, eight guys wrong. And guess what? When I started off, I was that guy. So it wasn't always, you know, peaches and, you know, peaches and cream. You know, when I first started off, when I feel like I, I, I dibbed and dabbed in it in 2008, 2009-ish, 2010, those three years, I, I I had a low hit rate. And then some people are still stuck in that. Um, and because they're still stuck in that, they can't possibly understand how someone could be so confident because they're literally crap shooting. They don't understand that when you do it so long, you put together a system and an algorithm that increases your hit rate it increases your confidence because you for one you're putting in the work you know it's not like I've created a system and I don't watch at least 30 deep of every prospect you know I still watch a, a, a un, un, unrighteous amount of prospects you know I watch a lot of prospects but I also have created a ecosystem and system to where it fine tunes my process because I've done it repetitively over time, specifically probably in the last, I guess the, the most growth or the most ground that I've covered is, is really in the last three or four years. I've covered a lot of ground in terms of closing the gap of how accurate I can be. But, you know, I've hidden, I've hidden what I like to call scout nirvana in, in 2015, where I think all but one or two of my guys didn't pan out in about a 10 to 12 deep draft. And I, and I think that if that was actually done in real life, it will go down as probably one of the best top five drafts of all time. That was 2015, which included 
Leonard Williams, Stefan Diggs, Rob, Rob Havenstein, uh, Trey Flowers, Adrian Amos. Now, these these players are still playing. You know, who who in that group do you see a surefire Hall of Famer? I don't know. They're probably fringe guys. But I'm just talking about the production that you could have got out of that group. So just based off of that, I mean, I'm, I mean, I've I've kind of built something that's that's still progressing, right? So when people ask and are are uncertain, now I'm not the most popular guy on Twitter, you know, in terms of that. Now if people knew that, would would I be more popular? Probably not, because even then. I've had this Twitter for eight, nine years, actually about to be nine years coming on, but I've barely even tweeted 9,000 tweets. Some people tweet 9,000 tweets in six months, in a year, you know, and I've had mine for nine. So I'm averaging less than a thousand tweets in nine years. So I don't tweet, I don't share, I don't indulge or just share, hey, because a lot of people, it's weird about the double standard, like, there's a lot of people doing look at me, but they're but they're masking it in humility. They're saying, look at me. That's really their character. They're really cocky. They're really the arrogant ones, but they mask it in humility or mask it in fandom. Right now with me, it when I say look at me, I will blatantly say look at me, but it's not, it has nothing to do with actually me or praising me it's hey look at this hopefully your buzz or your enthusiasm around it will hopefully get it seen to the people who need to see it therefore getting me where I want to go now obviously that's kind of not how supply and demand works that's not how advertising works right um, and that's what we're still working through, how to package these skills to, in a more, right, in a more modern, um, way to be digested, you know, because at the end of the day, I never really seen myself in media, never really seen myself, you know, trying to be the next journalist or the next draft analyst, you know, but slowly but surely, I'm opening up to the possibility of an analyst for, you know, an entity, whether it be mine or someone else's. But the, like I've already stated, the goal is to be on a team and win championships. And, you know, I've met I've met John Robinson. I've met Mike Vrabel. I know several media members. And, you know, when you start to meet these people and you start to plant the seeds and, you know, they show whether it be genuine or fake interest. You know, you think that that kind of expedites everything, right, because. You want a relationship build, right? But, you know, I'm I'm younger than all these people, so I'm still learning these things, right? But relationship building, you think that 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 the one in the mentor position would help expedite that process, not not expedite the process to help you get into position there where you want to go, but expedite the process or or at least initiate the process of trying to build rapport 
or if it's not building rapport, building that relationship, because at the end of the day, you 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 you're either genuine about how you feel about my work, right? If you're genuine and you feel like that's good work, then it only makes sense to try to cultivate a relationship so that that ability or talent that you see in a younger person, you know, comes into fruition. And the only time that you wouldn't do it is because you either one, you're lying about how supportive you are of it. It may not be that good to you or you don't like the person. And at that point, that's when it needs to be um, shared. And so that we're not, you know, having a, a alliances or uh, or, you know, like for people who don't really like us. I think that's important. But anyway, I think that. There's so many other things, you know, of my story that that will make sense as to maybe why I deliver it and present it the way that I do. And I think that that um, will come out when it needs to. But in terms of the exact the reason of where the skill set comes from, a lot of people are like waiting for like some type of Yoda or you know, mentor to say, oh, yeah, I trained under so-and-so. But I feel like if I said something like that, that would be probably more acceptable because that's what people are used to. People are used to, you said, oh, I studied under so-and-so. That's why I'm so good at scouting. But the fact of the matter is I taught myself. And yes, I did learn certain things. And it's really more inspiration. Like people like Bill Walsh, people like you know, um, Chuck Noll, um, Al Davis, Vince Lombardi, Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, Nick Saban, Ozzie Newsom. You know, all of these people inspire me, and it makes it makes me feel better about my journey because these people share similar characteristics. So it's like this characteristic can survive and can succeed and it's not crazy to think this way and that and that empowerment and that inspiration is what makes me get better it's not necessarily me copying them or maybe i internalize some things they say but i think for the most part it's just they help me be me um and I think that's that's amazing. If there's anything tangible, I did take a course very similar to, I guess, the Scouting Academy. Um, but this was, you know, Sports Worldwide Management. And I did have about, I think it was three months, three or four months under the tutelage of former NFL scouts, Russ Land, Russ Land and, you know, former... NFL general manager, Mark Dominic. I did study under those guys for three or four months. Um, learned a lot about the some of the intricacies and details and nuance of, you know, front office work, front office relationships, front office process. Um, you know, that was a great experience. Um, I don't know what, what more I have to do. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else I have to do. You know, to 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 let this be known, like, 
I mean, what more do I do? I mean, I could sh- I could shut up and I could do the work. I've tried that. I've I've shut up, done the work, sending resumes, nothing. Um, I've also caused a ruckus and put out work at the same time and got further further doing that than what I did prior. So it's like it's marketing, it's branding. It's innocent when you think about all the horrific things that people are saying on that platform. All I'm doing is walking in my journey and having fun doing it. I think people have to to separate because I will have to say scouting is something where, like I said, the 2080 rule, 20, 80% of the time people are wrong and they're getting their ass kicked. So when they see somebody flipping the script and they're 80, 20, 70, 30, it it, may, it can make people feel some type of way because it's it's about like baseball. Your batting average is is, is low. Like it's 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 this notion or concept that it's a low hit rate business. So when somebody climbs up to the top of the mountain and says, "Hey, I know that I'm I I I'm a seventy or eighty percent guy." Now, if I was to look back at all of the people that. I thought would be good that I vouched for. I'm probably, I probably am about 70, 80. But the, the, the thing that I'm for the majority judge myself over is who I've selected in a draft format um, for the Titans per se. So that's a lot lower because it's, it's more confined to six to 10, maybe, you know, some years, maybe 11 picks. You know, it's confined to making one guy. And when that's the case, I can go back and do the calculations. It's probably 50-50. It's probably 60-40. But as they say, there's general managers in the Hall of Fame who says, if you're at 50-50, you're doing an okay job. So if I'm even 51, if I'm even 60, then that's above average. And I really do feel like I'm around that area. But holistically, who I think will do well because obviously during draft, some of those good players get taken by other teams. I think holistically, like who I think will be good usually pans out in the league. Who I think will be bad usually pans out in the league. Have I had misses? Yes, I've shared those misses. And when I've shared my misses, I've shared it as enthusiastic, maybe a little bit less, but enthusiastic as those makes. Do I do it as often? Of course not. I'm a human. I'm going to talk about my hits more. But I think people need to know that I put in a extremely amount, an extreme amount of time, like 35,000 words talking about how a team that maybe they'll listen to my stuff. Maybe they won't I've written 35,000 words for years um, projecting these things. Two years, the Titans see it and they and it seems like by chance they we're in lockstep every time they see it we're in lockstep every time they see it before free agency starts we're in lockstep but when they don't see it we're 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 not on the same page very odd a coincidence i'm gonna let people believe what they want to believe on that I, i have my beliefs because it's not just about reports it's also about playoff games and plays being suggested to coaches who watch my videos but we're not going to get into that. We're going to get into the background of the skills. That's it.
And um, with that being said, guys, thanks for listening. And I will see you on the next one.